0: Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. Good to be with you this morning, um, have you ever believed something only to later find out it wasn't true? Does that ever happen to you? I mean, when we're kids, we, there's a lot of stuff we believe that later we find out when we're adults wasn't true, right? Like when I was a kid, I used to believe that um, all the seeds that I ate in fruits, like guavas and tamarinds and melons and oranges, if they were in my stomach, I was going to have all kinds of trees growing out of my stomach. Anybody have that fear? Of course that wasn't true. <laughs> then, then I also believed um, that my brother used to tell me this. So I started to believe it, that I used to stick my tongue out at him all the time. And he says, your face is going to be frozen like that. And then I stopped because I didn't want that. That wasn't true. And um, for sure, I was absolutely convinced that anytime I got a new pair of shoes, I could run faster, which also wasn't true. And it isn't just kids, right? That that come up with things that aren't really true and they later find out, we do this as adults. We, we often will have a misunderstanding of something at some point to be kind of woken up to the reality that it is something else. that We really were believing in something that wasn't true. Or maybe we had the wrong understanding. Which is what we're gonna focus on over the next few weeks because the issue of grace, grace itself, it's actually quite difficult, if not impossible, to fully understand. And it's known throughout church history that we have misunderstood time and time again what grace really is. Now, we all love grace. Anybody love grace with me? Oh, we love grace. Yeah, I, I know you do because my grandson, who's 16, just started driving. And uh, just yesterday, our daughter came over, was telling us that he got pulled over and got a ticket. Well, yeah, and it's a big one. And so he has to pay it. For himself, and you can imagine the stress of that, which brought to mind, to me, moments in which I've been pulled over by a police officer and hasn't given me a ticket, even though I was speeding and maybe even texting, and he just didn't notice. I'm not the only one, right? And you know, I have to say, when they pull me over, I go, get it, I totally deserve it because I, I, I've done it, I've broken the law, and when they let me go, it's sort of like, yeah, I love Grace! Grace! But what if I kept bumping into that police officer, and again and again, and every time he stopped me, he didn't give me a ticket; he let me go. What if I saw that police officer on the side of the road pulling people over every time I went to work, and he let them go, and he's doing this all the time? Would that still be grace, or did the police officer forget his job, what he was trained to do? Do you see the tension? We live in this understanding. Well, how, how does grace work? Is it is it something we have to earn or, or somehow live up to? Or is it so free that, hey, rules go out the window. It doesn't matter. We can just do whatever we want to do. And grace is something much more rich and complex. And that's why we want to spend some time thinking and praying and understanding. I want us to have a God-centered, biblically-centered understanding of grace. And so we're going to study uh, Galatians which is a letter written by Paul purposely to talk about what grace means. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, go there, if you would, Galatians chapter 1. And you know, the Bible is wonderful. Anybody, anybody love the Bible like I do? I love the Bible. Yeah, a lot of us love the Bible. It's wonderful. But you know, often we look at it as a book. And in reality, yes, it's put together in the form of a book, but it's not a book. It's a bunch of different Letters and documents put together into one. And one of the challenges of seeing it as a book is we might miss the fact that what we're going to read today over the next few weeks is actually a letter. It was written like in parchment paper. I wish I had one of those I can roll out, you know, and read Paul's letter to you. It it was written differently than we see it today. And we might miss kind of the effect. In fact, we're told Paul wrote this letter in his own writing. It was common at the time for someone else to write while the person dictated. No, he wrote this one himself. So imagine this letter written from the heart of Paul for us to understand the concept of grace. So it starts like this: Paul, an apostle. Sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia. Which, you know, an interesting way to start a letter, right? Paul, usually on our letters or our emails, our name is at the bottom somewhere. But here, the first century letter, the first thing that they do is they tell you who's writing it and who is it for. Paul is writing to the churches in Galatia. And it continues like this. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God, our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Here we see that Paul begins his letter immediately talking about grace. You know, if you were here last week, you remember we studied Acts chapter 13 and 14, where Paul was sent Selected by God, filled with the Holy Spirit to go to this area called Galatia, uh, various churches in that area, and to bring them the good news of the grace that came through Jesus Christ. Last week, we read a whole sermon where Paul talked about this grace and what it meant. So here he is writing again to these churches, reminding them of what grace is. And it's important to see that he says here that um, that he is an apostle. An apostle means he is sent by God. That's essentially what it means. A sent person with a particular message. And so he's not writing on behalf of other people. He is writing on behalf of God to these people. So as we read this letter, I pray that you and I consider these words, words coming from our heavenly father for our edification, for our growth, for our spiritual renewal, for our revival. Okay. And then he says to, he says here, Jesus raised him, he says, Jesus raised from the dead, gave himself, gave himself for our sins to do what? To rescue us from the present evil age. The first point, I I made little outlines for you today. So this isn't a very interactive service. You have been rescued. You have been rescued. When he says he gave himself, he uses a Greek word called didomi, and that word isn't just like you know when you give something to someone. It actually means sacrificed, fully surrender, gave up a lot for you, so that we would be rescued. All of us need rescuing. Some of you are going, "No, I don't." Yes, you do. You see, because all of us have sin. All of us. You know, whether you understand what sin is or not, it's not the point. Because you sort of think, all of us know that at one point or another, we have done even just one thing that we know is wrong. So it takes one thing. And it demonstrates that in our hearts, we sin. In our minds. You don't have to teach a kid, a child to sin. It comes in our nature. We need to be rescued because as Paul teaches us, the wages of sin... The consequence of sin is dead, death. And God does not want that from us. We need to be rescued. And the fact is, we have been rescued because Jesus gave himself to rescue us from this evil age. All of us are like this girl in the prison, locked up. In our sinful nature, and if not by our sinful nature, by the shame that comes from it. And we're not for the grace of God, the mercy of God. That's where we would remain. But no, we have been rescued. We have been taken out of this cell, out of this jail for freedom and to be free. Long ago in New Orleans, a 17-year-old girl was taken from her family and taken to a slave auction where she would be sold. They stood her at the platform. She was beautiful, and many people were bidding for her. Finally, one man won the bid, and he purchased her. When she was brought before him, her first thought was, what are you going to do with me? She knew this man was probably going to do something horrible to her. And instead, he gives her the papers of emancipation. And gave her freedom. His response was, I'm going to give you your freedom. That's what Jesus does for you and I. How many of us think that if we approach God, he's going to judge us and hurt us and maybe even destroy us. And yet what he wants to say to you and to me is that you're free. You have been rescued. That's the first thing that Paul teaches Then he says, he goes on from there and he says, I am astonished. He says in verse six, that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are returning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. I am astonished. People will try to enslave you again. These were people whom Paul had already brought the good news. They had received the freedom and other people had come around to try to enslave the people again and believe it. My friends, my sisters, my brothers, the enemy wants nothing more than to enslave us again. He wants us to live under his oppression, not under the freedom that Jesus Christ brings us. We, that is a reality we must always remember. In this case it was a group of Judaizers, Jewish people who once were uh, waiting for the Messiah. When Jesus came, they rejected Jesus, maybe even participated in his crucifixion. And now when other people were believing in Jesus, they were trying to convince them that they had to become like the Jews, be circumcised, do things to earn salvation, which Paul said, you cannot earn it through circumcision. You cannot earn it any way. It is a free gift from God. The rules have changed. The law no longer has the same power It actually demonstrated your brokenness. It did not give you a way out. Paul goes on and on about this, but people try to re-enslave the believers. And Paul says in Romans 6, he says this, sin shall no longer be your master because you are no longer under the law, but of grace. There are ways in which we tend to buy our grace ourselves. And one of the things that Paul did not want for these people, he does not want for you and I, is for us to get stuck in this cycle of trying to earn our salvation. It's kind of a picture like this. This is an M.C. Escher kind of image. Take a look at that. Does that not seem hopeless? No escape from that. Paul did not want this for his people. He wanted them out of this constant cycle of believing somehow they could earn grace. Proverbs 4 says this, Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all of your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. We must be careful To avoid the two paths to a do-it-yourself grace. Do-it-yourself grace first begins in one extreme with legalism. We try to perform, to do things to please God, right? We try to earn our way to God. Oh, I'll do good things. I'll I'll even be generous, God, so that you will save me. Or we try to punish ourselves, self-punish in a way to earn our grace. That one. I'm actually familiar with all three, but self-punishment was definitely the one I leaned on when I first became a believer. I believed in God. I started to give my life to God, but then quickly I was trying to, like, punish myself for the sins I had committed because I couldn't believe that a God would be so good to truly forgive me for all my sins, and I knew my sins, and they were terrible And I felt like, well, I have to somehow pay the price for it, too. I have to somehow punish myself. And really, I was trying to control my salvation, which comes as a gift from God alone. Grace comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. It is a gift. We cannot perform for it. We cannot earn it. We cannot even self-punish our way to that salvation. And it's one of the extremes of grace where we might go to the side of legalism. How many of you have were raised in a church that was very legalistic? Lots of us. where we were told we had to somehow do certain things in order for God to love us. That if we did anything and we displeased God, oh boy, there it came. We deserve what came our way. That's not the God we serve. And so in Romans 6, Paul tells his followers, Actually, in Galatians 2, verse 16, he says this. A person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. You see, what Paul is trying to say, he uses the word justified, which strictly is a legal term that says, essentially, you have been made right. You have been found not guilty. You cannot be justified through the law, which what is the purpose of the law, but to demonstrate when you have broken the law. So there is no grace through the law, but simply a mirror back to our sinfulness. So we can't go to legalism performance or self punishment for grace. That's one extreme. But then do we swing in the opposite side? Do we go, okay, great. We're no longer under the law. We can do whatever we want. It means everybody can do whatever they want. No, right? That's not right either. In fact, Paul tells them in Romans chapter 6 this. What shall I say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? The gifts of salvation through grace doesn't eliminate God's commands. Do you remember Jesus in John chapter 15? He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's command. Even Jesus Father, followed the God's, God's commands and remain in my love. And then in verse 12 of John 15, it says this. And what is the father's command? Love each other as I have loved you. Love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And love one another the same way I loved you. Yes, there are rules. Hebrews 13 tells us there is discipline that God gives us. There is structure to our grace. It isn't a free for all kind of grace. It is not that we earn our salvation through these things, but they are a demonstration that we have been saved. And so we have to keep ourselves in the center line, not going to the right or to the left, not going towards legalism or just letting it loose, but remaining in the grace that Jesus has bought for us. You see, faith is the courage to accept grace. Faith is the courage to accept grace. Um, One of our pastors here, Tim, told us a story of his Children, He came home one day from work, and usually when he opens the door, the kids run in to give him a hug and welcome him home. Well, this particular day, his daughter came and gave him a hug, but his son stayed back. And so he went to find out, okay, how come you didn't come up? I was bad today, Daddy. And, And, of course, he was expecting that he would be punished for what he did. And Tim's response was, well, get over here and give me a hug. That's the God we serve. We have to have faith to accept the grace that he's already given us. And remember, Paul gave his life to teach this grace to people. He, he was stoned almost to death, bringing the good news to the people in Galatia. So, of course, it broke his heart when they were going away from that and starting to believe other people. He even says in verse 21, I don't set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. You know, if we go down either extreme, if we try to earn it and perform for it, or if we just go wild and do whatever we want, either extreme says Christ died for nothing. Either extreme says, hey, thanks, Jesus. All that you did on the cross was really for nothing. All the beating that you got, that was for nothing. That you came down from heaven, from the comforts of being in in the presence of the Holy Father and became a human like us, limited in time, that was for nothing. Either way, diminishes the work on the cross. And that's not what Paul wants for you and for me. Faith is the courage to escape grace. And listen, this is the third point. You have been set free forever, for eternity it says in verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's that word again, didomi. He sacrificed himself for me. And last week we read this verse out of John 36, 836. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You have been set free for good, forever. Imagine that young 17-year-old receiving the papers of emancipation, being set free. Imagine her going, thank you very much, and then going back and standing up on that platform again to be sold yet again. That's not, that makes no sense. You have been set free. You remain free. And Paul wants to encourage them. The most remarkable thing is that your old self is now dead. You are now alive in Christ and he is in you. Now, do you ever think about that? Colossians says that the, God was pleased to have the fullness of the deity in Jesus Christ. The fullness of God in Jesus Christ. And then scripture says, Jesus is in us. Do you ever think about that? God in you. This week I received an email. Oh, boy, it got under my skin. Am I going to get one of those? And I knew exactly how I wanted to answer. In fact, I had a lot of different ways. (laughs) I started typing one or two. And I had to pause for a minute and go, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit, the fullness of the deity of Christ is in me. What if I tap into that and ask God for his wisdom for his knowledge, for his way, for his love and compassion. And I started to lean into that. You would do that? I mean, we'd say prayers as though God is over here out there or up there or somewhere. We go to someone else and say, pray for me as though we don't have any access to God. But God, if you have put your life in Jesus Christ, is in you. You can ask God, God, help me with this. Because we are free people, we have the Heavenly Father in us. We can lean into His all-knowing wisdom. All power within God is in us. We are no longer slaves. We are free and free forever. And we can stay in that freedom if we trust the Lord. Now in 1938, slavery ended in Jamaica a group of slaves that were about to be set free went to the beach and there they dug a hole in the, by the beach, by the ocean. They brought with them a casket, a mahogany casket and they placed it by the hole and they began to fill this hole with items which reminded them of their slavery. They put chains and shackles and locks Ropes, maybe nooses, clothing, uniforms. They filled the whole box up and then they lowered it into the hole, representing that those things no longer belong to them. They would never go back to that slavery. They had been set free. They will be the next morning. They would be free people forever, never to be enslaved again by those things. And as the, hour, the minutes got closer to midnight, they all stood around the hole and they began to put sand over the casket, covering it saying goodbye to those things forever, never to return to them again. And in a moment, captured by the amazing gift of freedom brought to them by the Lord, they broke out in song, and they started singing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You need to sing with me. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Could you imagine it? Freedom once and for all. That's the freedom that you and I have. And we shall not be deceived by the enemy who wants to take our freedom away. I am convinced some of you, though you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you walked in here today with some sort of chain. Some sort of rope, some sort of noose, some sort of uniform from the enemy. And I wanna give us, I wanna make space today for us to take those things off. And like those soon to be emancipated slaves, I want us to bury those chains. And so you have been given, as you came in, I'm gonna have the band come up, a piece of paper and a pen. I doubt that you have a physical chain with you, but I hope you will put into paper, maybe just draw a picture, whatever way in which you want to release that thing. Put it on this piece of paper. Faith is the courage to accept grace. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and His work together. Thanks again.